My name is graven on his hand. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Thank you, uh, Brother Ed, for leading us in one of my favorite songs as a youth, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Carl, thank you for your communion thought this morning, brother. I think it was so timely and perfect. So we think about what Jesus means to us and the sacrifice that he made, and it ties in nicely with what we're going to be talking about this morning, baptism. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a sleepy day to be in the house of the Lord. No. I tell you what, uh, as I was walking by people today, I saw red eyes and marks on the face like you just woke up or something. I don't know what it is. I tell you what, daylight saving time is always difficult at a church, isn't it? I mean, you don't know who's going to show up, but I, I tell you what, I'm excited that we have as many as we have today come on out and be on time this morning. So kudos to you. We're happy that you're here with us today, especially if you're visiting. And we hope that you find this church welcoming and warming. And we want to invite you back out all the time whenever the doors are open here because we don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo, okay? So we just want to make sure that you know that you are welcome to be a part of our church family. Um, I, I, I tell you what, if you start to drift this morning, you get a pass for today. I'll just let you know, okay? This will be the only sermon where you might get a little pass if I see you nodding off just a little bit, because I know how tough daylight savings time can be. Uh, I heard somewhere that they were going to try to get rid of it. Is, is that right? Or am I just reading into something? I hope they do. I just don't like this time of year. Um, anyway, so you know, we're spending the month of March asking and answering four questions about baptism. First question is, what is it? Second question is, why do it? Third question is, should I feel any different after I'm baptized? And the fourth question, which is really not a question but a statement, it is, what if? Dot, dot, dot. What if I was baptized when I was a child? Or what if I was baptized when I was younger and I was kind of forced into it? I felt so. We're going to spend some time dissecting these questions and hopefully pulling out some things that will help us to understand the answers to this question. Now, the subject of baptism is a subject that at this church we know very well. So last week, we talked about what baptism was, and I know that you guys know it very well, so well, in fact, that a couple of you came up to me after the sermon and said, well, Jason, in the Greek, baptizo means to dip and to immerse. And, and I said, I, I, I understand that. There's also other meanings. So I, I, I like that, and I'm appreciative of that because it tells me how well we know the subject material that we're going to be discussing uh, this month. So I appreciate uh, the feedback and the comments and, and even questions when it comes to this material. So today, like I said, we're going to start with question number two, and it's why do it? And I don't know about you, but it seems like everyone knows about baptism. People that I encounter here and there in passing at the grocery store, at the sports park, people know about 
baptism. You don't have to be a Christian to have heard about this sacrament that is so widely known, right? However, when it comes to the question of why do it, we get a host of different answers, if you notice, right? A whole host of different answers on why. Somebody would say, well, you're baptized in order to be a member at a particular church or a denomination, or you're baptized because you had sin as an infant, right, uh, with that condition there. So there are multiple reasons and kind of assumptions and thoughts on, on why do it. So day, today I want to hopefully clear up a couple of misconceptions and really look at it from a biblical perspective on why we do this thing called baptism. If you have your Bibles this morning, I wanted you to open up to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 34 through 40. And I think this is a great account of a baptism that we know very well, this text we know very well, okay? So that's Acts chapter 8, verses 34 through 40. You guys follow along with me. It says here, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. So we know this text very well. It's a text that we have studied countless times, and uh, you've heard sermons on the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch, so forth and so on. But I think this is a wonderful account of baptism that deserves some, some exegetical thought, okay? So, Mike, if you go to the first slide, and if you have your sermon notes in your bulletin, feel free to fill in some of these highlighted words, because there are words that are important in these various passages. Well, we know that Philip was chosen by the apostles to care for the poor in Acts, Acts chapter 6 and 7. And we, we see this transition of these men being appointed to take care of some poor widows within the church. Philip was one of those men. And the scripture also calls him an evangelist. And the reason why scripture calls Philip an evangelist is because he had the duty of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people who were outside of the church, if you will. So he meets this eunuch, this Ethiopian man, and we know that uh, this was a special encounter, right? First of all, he was an African man. Secondarily to that, he was a eunuch. And we know, just like in Acts chapter 3, certain people were not allowed to enter into the temple, disabled people right? A eunuch was not allowed into the temple, and we understand that from passages like Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse number 1. So he was not allowed in the temple, but yet we see Philip approaching this man, and it's a powerful testimony of Christ's love causing disciples to be radically inclusive. I just want you to think about that. Christ's love causes disciples to be radically 
inclusive. This man was an African and a eunuch, and they included him into their fellowship. And what's so powerful about this text is, is, is we look at verse number 35, we see, we see Philip begin in this passage uh, of Scripture, and he was telling him about the good news of Jesus. And, and we never really see Philip mentioning baptism in this text, right? You've heard those sermons. But it is implied, it has to be implied. And while they were talking about the good news, he mentions the importance of baptism, in my opinion. And this Holy Scripture orchestrated this whole, this whole wonderful event. So here's one thing that I want to make clear about baptism. You know, as a, as a preacher, as an evangelist, it is my goal to baptize every non-Christian that I come across. That, that is my goal. That's the first thing I'm thinking of. I was at Subway this week, and uh, two elders walked in and began to talk to me. These elders were 18 years old. So you can probably guess from what church they came from, right? So I'm sitting there eating my six-inch steak and cheese, right? Uh, (laughs) And I sit down and I see them walk in and I say, oh, here we go. They're going to come and talk to me. I know they are. That's the wrong thought process, I know. As soon as I sit down, sure enough, Paul sits right next to me. Hey, how are you doing? Looks like a good sandwich there. I said, well, yes, it is a good sandwich. And I continue to eat, right? And he says, hey, uh, do you work in this area? And I said, yes, yes, I do. He said, well, what do you do? I said, I'm the preacher at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ right down the street. And he kind of paused. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah, really? He said, well, anyway, I want to invite you to an event at our, at, our, at our church in Irvine. And I said, okay, what kind of event is it? He said, well, we're having Gladys Knight come out, and she's going to do an event. Did you know that she was a Mormon? And I said, I had no clue. That's amazing. And I said, you know what? I want to invite you to an event at our church. And they said, really? I said, yes, we have worship on Sunday morning, and we'd love for you to come. And he said, okay. And I said, okay to him. And we went off about our business. Side note story. Anyway, I don't know what brought me there. But, you know, I think the Holy Spirit plays a part in orchestrating events and conversations about baptism, right? In my mind, I wanted to baptize these Mormon folk, right? But I'm wondering if it wasn't their time, based on the Holy Spirit's approach, if that makes sense, right? I think the Holy Spirit puts people in our lives, and God somehow connects us with certain people that have a need and that might be seeking And he helps this interaction to take place, right? So I would really encourage you to pray that God might bring people into your life that need to hear the gospel message and watch what that prayer does. Watch what the Holy Spirit does. It's amazing. So I see the Holy Spirit orchestrating this event, this eunuch and Philip meet together on this road and this conversation begins. It has to be God. Our job is to share the message God provides the people. He does. So the Holy Spirit orchestrated this event. And the Holy Spirit led Philip and this Ethiopian to a conversation. And what I love about this text so much is when someone's serious about getting their life right and when they're serious about loving God, they won't allow anything to prevent them from being baptized. And that's what we see in this text, right? Look, here is water. What can stand in the way 
of my being baptized. I really love that. Scripture says they were on a desert road. He said, look, I need to be baptized right now. You know, in the church that I grew up in coming up, we took this passage very seriously. So if we had an individual, it could be two in the morning, we're doing a study, we might be in the middle of the desert in Phoenix, Arizona, right? And if the person says, I'm ready to be baptized, we're going to stop everything right then and there and find some water somewhere. We'll chop down a cactus to figure out how to get water, right, to baptize this individual. That's how serious we were when it came to this text. And I, and I love the seriousness of, of the Ethiopian eunuch here where he says, look, I'm not allowing anything to stand in my way from being baptized. I got two really neat baptism stories for you this morning. At my previous church, I had uh, my secretary. Her name was Gail Washington. I loved her so, so much. She had a daughter named Tracy, and Tracy had a troubled life. She was into a lifestyle of crime. And Tracy, uh, unfortunately, was in a horrific accident where she was shot six times. And because of her injury, she was confined to a wheelchair for the rest of her life. She was shot maybe when she was about 23 years old and was in a wheelchair. Gail and I would always talk to Tracy, talk to Tracy. Eventually, one day, Tracy said, you know what? I'm ready to be baptized. At this point, because of sicknesses and things of that nature, um, Tracy had a lot of physical issues. She, she had put some weight on because of the medication and things that she was taking. She couldn't walk, and she said, I'm ready to be baptized. And I said, well, what do we do? Because our baptistry is up three flights of stairs. How do we get this done? I said, why don't, why don't we figure out how to do this thing. Let's go to a pool. Let's do this. She said, no, I want it inside of a Church of Christ church building, and I want it on this day. And we said, okay. So we found this baptistry that was on a level place, right? And it took three of us to lift her. We had to put towels under her arm to lift her out of the chair. We got her in the water, and she couldn't move anything. She was paralyzed, right? And she had enough faith to allow me to put her head completely under the water and to come back up. She said, I'm not going to let anything stop me from being baptized. There's another story. I had two college buddies of mine uh, at Harding University, Mace and uh, Key were their names. We were having a Bible study in my dorm room, and they said, Jason, you know what? We need to be baptized right now. And I said, okay, uh, you know, the gym is closed. We can't get into the pool. The churches are locked. What do we do? And Mace said, you know what? There's a water fountain in the middle of the courtyard at Harding, and it's deep enough for us to get in there and get baptized. And I said, yeah, that's, that's a wonderful thought, but it's 20 degrees outside. And they said, we don't care. And I said, well, let's go do it. So in order to get into that water, I had to crack the ice, right? And we baptized Mason Key that day in that water. They didn't want anything to prevent them or stop them from being baptized that day. They had a sense of urgency about it. And I hope and pray that if you feel that yearning in your heart to give your life to the Lord, that you won't let anything prevent you. You should do it right now. At the conclusion of this service, here is water. What doth hinder the next passage of scripture so here we go what's all this fuss about baptism in our in our church we express the importance of not waiting so when you're ready you need to do it right away but we see this countercultural movement today where there are baptism sundays right 
And I understand the, pre- the premise of Baptism Sunday, right? We're going to have a special day, and we're going to draw as many people as we can, and maybe that'll snowball people into being interested about baptism, and then we're going to have this great celebratory moment. And I understand Baptism Sundays, and, and I get all of that. I get all of that. And I also understand that different churches have different thoughts about the mode on how to do it. But really what I want to talk about this morning is, is, is the why, Okay? Why? So if you look on your outline, we've got a couple of points for you under the question of baptism, why do it? Baptism, why do it? Well, number one is to fulfill righteousness. Number two is to receive salvation. Number three, it's for the forgiveness of sins. Number four, it's for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And number five, to receive unity with Christ. To fulfill righteousness. You know the passage, Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 15. It says this, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. I love what Carl said this morning. Jesus is absolutely perfect. Jesus is in God. They're connected. Absolutely perfect. Jesus did not have any need for baptism to grant any kind of forgiveness because he was sinless. However, Jesus knew that he had to model a life that every person was supposed to follow. So it was more of, hey, children, do as I do, right? Do as I do. And that's why he also washed his disciples' feet, right? Do as I do. So Jesus said, I have to accomplish this task of baptism to fulfill all righteousness. And we do that from time to time. We try to model what you're supposed to do with our children all the time, don't we? One of the things that I hate is taking my babies, when they were babies, they're grown now, to go get shots at the doctor. Oh, oh, that is like torture to me, right? Because they do the silent cry. You know what the silent cry is when they get a shot, right? Give them a shot, they, and nothing comes out for about three, three seconds. And then you know it's going to be horrible, right? So in order to prep our children for those shots, you say, what? watch mommy and daddy do it first. So I can show you that this is going to be okay and that everything is going to be okay. And then you get up there and get that shot, and you're like, ah, that hurt, right? But we model that. And I see Jesus modeling the life that he wants us to live to let us know, look, you do this and everything's going to be okay. So in order for, to fulfill righteousness, we must, we must be baptized. We also receive this wonderful gift called salvation. Mark 16 and 16, which was our passage, scripture reading this morning. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will can be, be condemned. You know, this was the passage Um, that scared me to death, that caused me to want to be baptized. It was this one right here. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. You're like, yes! But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And I said, mom and dad, what's condemnation? Right? What what does that mean? What does it mean to be condemned? And they said, well, that's, that's hell. And I said, really? Really? You know, the problem today is I believe people aren't scared of discipline anymore. I could tell just by some of the kids I encountered today, right? They're not scared of discipline. 
Discipline what? Discipline who, right? And we even have this culture where we, we, we don't even think about the existence of hell anymore. It's not, it's not a part of our vocabulary. We don't think about these things, right? Hell, <laughs> everybody goes to heaven. All dogs go to hell. Everybody goes to heaven, right? Everybody. We don't want to think about hell. That's, that's something that, that, that we don't readily process together. However, this passage scared me to death because it says you're going to be condemned. In my mind, condemnation is, is hell. And the greatest gospel sermon, one of the greatest gospel sermons that I ever heard was by my mentor at Harding, Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen had a sermon entitled, What Hell is Like? And we had to watch it in preaching class at Harding one day. And I tell you what, that just, that just changed my whole thought process, right? You know, hell is described as everlasting torment. I don't know about you, that scares me. Hell is described as complete darkness. Hell is described as everlasting sorrow. Hell is uh, described as fire and brimstone. Hell is described as a lake of fire. Hell is described as suffering. Hell is described as a place of no rest. I don't know about you, but for me, it's not worth it. It's not worth all of that. It's not worth the condemnation. Get baptized. So you don't have to figure out if that place really exists or not. Get baptized. And you don't have to worry about that. You'll be saved and you'll get to be with the Lord in paradise. It's not worth it. I'm scared to death of hell. And I hope you, should, I hope you are too. You have to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ to be baptized. Why else be baptized? Well, for the forgiveness of sins. And this is a passage that we all know, Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. Sin is a problem. It's always been a problem. We sin every day. We make mistakes. We fall short of the glory of God. And I think there's another issue within our society today. And that issue is people don't believe they sin anymore. Morality and ethics is subjective, right? What you call sin might not be what I call sin, right? So morality and ethics are, are are thrown out of the window a lot of times, right? There's no definition of what really sin is, so we're not sinners. But if you know God and you understand God, you know that sin is real. And you know that you are involved in a lifestyle of sin and that you know you need forgiveness of sin. And when you're baptized, those sins, those iniquities are washed away and you get to be a brand new person, get a brand new start, forgiveness of sins. Scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means lottie dotty everybody, right? And we need forgiveness of sins. And in addition to forgiveness of sins, you know what else we get? This is awesome right here. Pay attention to this one. We get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's like the icing on the cake. The cherry on top of the... Anyway, it's wonderful. The gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, we talked about the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago, didn't we? And let me tell you that the Holy Spirit is an amazing gift that can help you get through this crazy, troublesome, hard, weary life. Amen? 
The Holy Spirit is powerful. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a comforter. When you're having those rough and hard times and you can't figure out how to make it through, the Holy Spirit helps you. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. When you're confused on how to navigate, maneuver in certain situations, the Holy Spirit helps you. The Holy Spirit gives you strength. The Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. And I believe the Holy Spirit protects you from evil too. Why would you not want that in your life? You get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, point number five, baptism causes us to be unified in Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. You know, baptism has been compared to a marriage, right? Baptism is similar to marriage in that when you are baptized, it's a marriage that you're undergoing to God through Jesus Christ. It's a powerful thing. Baptism is a marriage. It's like Two, becoming one. So when you're baptized, you are added into the body of Christ to be married to Christ. Scripture says the church is the bride of Christ. And you know, when you are married to someone long enough, you know what happens. Start fussing and fighting everything. No, 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 not that. Not that part. (laughs) When you're married to someone long enough, you start acting like them, don't you? It's funny now because Mary, uh, we're having our anniversary on the 15th, as a matter of fact. Uh, 13 years? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I got the day right, okay? Some of y'all aren't even that good. I don't want to hear it. I, I got the day right, okay? Um, <laughs> and it's only felt like one day being with you, dear. One day. Anyway, <laughs> it's like a marriage ceremony. And you know, many of you who have been married for a long time, you start acting like each other, don't you? It's funny because Mary and I can have a conversation, we'll see something, and we'll say the same thing at the exact same time. We're like, what, what, what are you talking about? We, we, we sound the same. And then over the course of time, I found it so interesting is people say we look the same now. I'm like, how does that work? How, how does that work? Right? So when you're married to Christ over the time, you begin to start acting more like Christ. You become more like him over time. You begin to speak like him and live like him. You ought to be baptized to be united with Christ. And wherever he goes, we get to go. Amen. So as we conclude this morning, I wanted to give you some, some practical application on, on what you can do with this message this morning. I gave you this sermon. If you look at your outline, the question may say, uh, great sermon. Hopefully that's what you're thinking. I put that down just because I knew you were going to say that. Amen. But anyway... It says, it says, great sermon. Now what? What do I do with this information, right? We're talking about baptism. Here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to begin to share your story more, okay? Share your conversion, your baptism story more. One of the greatest evangelistic tools that we have is our testimony. Our testimony, You know, and I feel a little jaded at times, right? Because my testimony is not as great as yours. You know, like I said, I'm one of those church kids that grew up in church and I was baptized at nine, so I don't feel like I have this great come to Jesus moment. I always feel like I've been in in Christ. 
And sometimes because of that, I think my story is not special, right? And then I talked to an individual who came to Christ much later in life and had all these troubles and all these problems, and I tell him my story. He says, your story is simply amazing. Wow, it speaks to your family. It speaks to your church. It speaks to your friends. It spe- We've got to share our testimony. It's powerful. All of us have one if you're in Christ. Share it with others. Do it. That's one of the things you can do. Here's another one. Celebrate your baptism every year. Here's the problem, though. Many of you don't know the day you were baptized, right? Because we didn't have those baptismal certificates back then, right? We weren't really using those. I'm one of those. I was baptized. I have no idea the month, the date. You know, I, I don't know. But we celebrate everything, don't we? Easter, Christmas, birthday, anniversary, you fill in the blank. Why not celebrate our baptism? That's the greatest day you'll ever have in your life, right? Celebrate your baptism. If you can remember the date, you need to pray to the Lord that day. Say, well, this this is when my whole life changed. Let me celebrate this, right? I do think we need to have that on the American calendar today, baptism day, right? We have everything else, grandparents' day, mother's day, father's day. Let's have baptism day. Celebrate it. And then lastly, here's one that I think is so, so important. Start encouraging the youth right now. Start encouraging the youth right now. So I'm going to talk to our young people this morning. Young people, you need to go ahead and be baptized, okay? You need to go ahead and be baptized. If you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. I'm encouraging you to do that. There's something about being dedicated to Christ as a youngster that helps put you on a trajectory that is amazing. So parents, continue to talk to your children about baptism. If you don't have children and you, have, you see families around, make sure you're really encouraging when it comes to our youth. Yeah, I think you can get baptized. One day, I think, I think you can do that. I think the Lord will be pleased with you. And then they'll stop asking questions about the Lord's Supper too, right? because they'll get to partake finally. (laughs) So start talking to your young ones about baptism now. Those are three practical steps that I think you can take and utilize this morning. We have a song of invitation selected. If there is anyone here that needs to respond to the message, maybe put the Lord on in baptism this morning, or maybe you've been living in a lifestyle contrary to the will of God and you're already a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, another benefit of this baptism is that, look, when we make mistakes and we fall short, we are now covered by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. So if we make mistakes, we don't have to get baptized every single week. I did have a lady at my previous church, she'd get baptized every week. She wanted to get baptized. I need to be baptized. I said, we baptized you two months ago, right? The the blood of Christ continually cleanses you, and maybe you need some cleansing this morning. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation?